I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the Power 365 show. Full show notes for this episode around anything we comment on that you would expect a link to, it will be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 224. Before we chat with today's guest, here's a quick message from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by none other than myself, me. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you'll know how passionate I am about helping people grow their Microsoft business applications career. If you're interested in getting career coaching, you can express your interest today at nz365guide.com forward slash coaching. Now let's get on with the show. Wow, today's guest is from Washington, D.C. in the Baltimore area. She's a customer success lead at Microsoft, the youngest female elected to serve uh, Bowie City as a councilwoman for District 4, Maryland. She's a fighter, a survivor, a risk taker, and inspirer of many. You can find her on LinkedIn at Roxy in Nibamadu or our website, Roxy for Bowie. Welcome to the show, Roxy in Nibamadu. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you tonight. It's good to have you on the air. It's nighttime, your time, midday, mine. This is what happens when we do these time zone shifts <laughs> around the globe. So cool, so cool. It is. It is almost nine o'clock here, but I wow. I hope I sound excited as ever. So it shouldn't matter. You do, you do, you do. <laughs> you, you, you sound excited. So first of all, before we get underway, tell us a bit about you. Where, where, where do you hail from? Where, where, what do you do for... Uh, you know, work and play when you're kind of not working at Microsoft? What do I do for work and play? Such an, a fascinating question. Mm. When I'm not working for Microsoft, I am one of the most active people that you will find in the world. So I absolutely love playing tennis. I love playing mm-hmm. golf. I love just being outside in the open. So sometimes I do like this odd rock walk run thing. So it works for me. It's great. I look great doing it. So I, I'm vibing <laughs> with it. Sometimes I dance while I run it's a thing. So don't judge me. So outside of work, I am totally a ball of energy who loves to dance, loves to work out and loves connecting with people. I think connecting with people is the most important part of who I am outside of work and actually inside of work. I love it. I love it. So, so you've, you, you do, you seem to be doing a heck of a lot. You know, when, it, when I, I first started doing some research on you, not only would you have a full on schedule with Microsoft, but, you know, councilwoman as well. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Full on schedule on both sides. How do you balance it all? Honestly, I tell people, it, I, <laughs> there are a couple of things that go into balancing your calendar. I think it really depends on where your passions are. For me, I am at a stage in my life where I am young and this is what's important to me. This is what I spend my time doing. So whereas some other people would spend their time in the evenings kind of just hanging out with friends or hanging out with family, I choose to spend my time with my community. I choose to spend my time building myself up as a community leader and as an advocate. That's what's important 
to me at this point in my life. So I sacrifice a lot of things that, you know, people would normally be doing, especially to hang out with their family to then do both of my jobs. So I think that's kind of how it comes in. And then also one thing to keep in mind is I don't have a ton of family in the U S so whereas most people would have that family surrounding, so they would have those things to do. I don't have that because most of my family are on different time zones in different parts of the country. So I don't have those level of distractions either. So I think it's more of a, it's more of a, a mixture of lack of sleep, a little bit of napping and a lot of talking to people. So cool. So cool. So, so when you say family's not in the U S where are they based? My family is based in primarily, primarily they are in Nigeria for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then I've got family in Dublin and London. So those are the three places oh, where my, oh. my family has a large footprint. Mm-hmm. Nigeria is going off at the moment. I, I, you know, I'm part of a uh, a user group community there that has over a hundred members in it. Yesterday, mm-hmm. a new MVP in Nigeria got awarded. Hamid um, uh, made MVP for uh, Microsoft Business Applications, which yes. is amazing. A, a lot's going on in Nigeria. Oh my gosh, so much is going on in Nigeria. And honestly, what I will say is, I think that people are starting to realize and recognize Nigeria and Africa specifically as an emerging mm-hmm. market for what it is. Like all yeah. of the opportunity that that's out there. Massive. I mean, some of the brightest minds are coming out of Nigeria and Africa. Microsoft Mm, has mm, made mm. a significant investment in Kenya specifically and Lagos, Nigeria. I'm sure you know about our African development centers. And Mm -hmm. now we have our research institute, our AI research institute that's launching in Nairobi. So we've recognized and made a significant investment in that market. And so I think that people are starting to realize Africa for the potential that it truly has. Totally. Totally. It's, it's, it's definitely been underrepresented, I feel, in, in the past couple of years, but it seems to 100%. be blossoming now. So, so tell us about your journey to Microsoft. How, how did your career take this turn and how do, you know, you've been in Microsoft a couple of years now. How, how did that come about? My journey to Microsoft was a very fascinating one. So I actually started out going to school for nursing and healthcare. So that's really what I focused on when I was in college because After spending a significant amount of time in the villages of Nigeria and you see prevalent diseases that attack certain communities, you start to become curious and wonder why are these diseases prevalent in these particular communities? So I I watched my my grandparents, both of them, pass away from health diseases. So I picked to study um, healthcare and nursing. So I did. Mm -hmm. After that, I got a little older and I started recognizing some of the gaps in opportunity, some of the gaps in infrastructure, some of the gaps in how we connect with other people. I was in Mm -hmm. US at times and my mother would be in Africa and we try to connect with each other. But then the infrastructure was so spotty that sometimes like Mm -hmm. our conversation would, hi, are you here? Like, you know what I mean? And so after that, I was kind of frustrated with that experience. And I was like, no, 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 we've got to make a change here. So I pivoted completely, dropped my healthcare, my healthcare background. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to go into the tech industry because I feel like Mm -hmm. that's how I can make a difference specifically in minority communities. So I interviewed with a bunch of companies, including Google, Amazon, all the all the mm-hmm, top dogs, mm-hmm. and got a couple of offers. But Microsoft really stood out to me for two reasons. One, it was the people. 
the people were very different. They were very embracing. They cared. They really genuinely wanted to know you and they wanted to feel invested in your success. That's one. Two Mm -hmm. is Microsoft had our significant investment in Africa. So Microsoft had a program called For Africa, which is led by Jean-Philippe Courtois. And with that program For Africa, what we do is we send Microsoft employees from all over the world to volunteer for special projects in Africa and work with our customers and our partners, as well as our account teams or other technology engineering teams that are in those areas to make sure that we're building them up from a skill set perspective. And no other company had anything like that. So I was like, okay, yeah, Microsoft's the place for me. That's where I want to be. That's where I'm going to make my mark. So that's how I got at Microsoft. Mm, Okay. So you took the role there. Have you kind of been in the same role the entire time in or in... And and what is that role? Oh, I've had so many different experiences at Microsoft, mainly and primarily because I am a prime example and firm believer as you got to create what it is that you're looking for. So if there's a particular experience that you're looking for in life, you need to create that for yourself because people are just mm-hmm, not going to hand mm-hmm. that to you. So I've had a number of different experiences. The most recent experience and the very first experience I had was I came into Microsoft as a customer success manager did a really good job at my role and, you know, became a customer success lead and continued to work primarily in our federal government market. So I specialize Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. the federal government, working with them to adopt technologies that they normally don't, our collaboration platform, to be candid. So working with them on Mm -hmm, Microsoft mm -hmm. Teams, working with them on collaboration, working with them on connectivity, working with them on Power Platform. What does that look like? And what do they need to truly think about to take their business to the next level with digital transformation? So that's Mm -hmm. what I've been doing since I've been at Microsoft and what I'm doing till this day. But aside that, I've had a number of different opportunities and abilities to be able to, I've, I've spent time as a, a account executive for a little bit. So I did a short term assignment mm-hmm, for seven mm-hmm. months as an account executive. That was interesting to see how Microsoft sells to our customers. Then I did a short term project where I went over to Kenya and I worked with Safaricom for a month and consulted mm. with them on a project on connectivity, digital transformation, storytelling, disruption, working with them on that kind of stuff. Then I spent some time with HR, spent some time with some of our wow. senior leaders, um, working with them, reverse mentoring, advising, kind of offering my insights and really learning from all of the experiences that they've had along their career to help them get to where they are. So that's what I've, I've spent most of my time at Microsoft, collecting a breadth of experiences to make me a better professional and make me be able to relate to our customers in a different way. Excellent. So you mentioned storytelling there, and it's something I've seen pop up in your profile in various places. Mm-hmm. What do you? What, what, what is storytelling to you, and and why is it important? Storytelling to me is is so important because. It's how your audience connects with you. Mm -hmm. I think as humans, sometimes we make the mistake where we go to an audience, right? And we walk them down. We we actually don't walk them down a journey. We just kind of throw a bunch of things at them and the audience gets lost and goes, where are we going with this? I'm really not sure where we are. Are, Am I following you? Am I not following you? I kind of got lost. I'm just going to tune you out and start texting or start looking at my email. Mm -hmm. And that tends to be what happens. Storytelling to me is the ability uh, the ability to walk your audience through a journey of whatever it is that you're trying to convey 
to them so that they can draw a connection point. So they can envision themselves in the story that you're telling and picture their life Mm -hmm. in the way that Mm -hmm. you're telling it. And so that's what it is to me. It's important, especially in multiple spaces, no matter where you are, whether you're elected, whether you're a customer success manager, account executive, whatever, whoever you are, it's super important because it's going to determine the way that your audience connects with you and the way that your audience continues to interact with you. If you don't take them on a journey, if you don't tell them a story and make them feel like they're a part of this experience that you're giving them, then you lose them. Quite candidly, you lose them and something else or somebody else picks them up. So I think it's important because you want to draw that connection to your audience, no matter who they are, to continue that consistent engagement. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I want to come back slightly to that, but one of the things you said before was, you know, with working in federal government, you know, I've spent time working in federal government myself, and, and one of the battles that I used to come up against was IBM heavily in federal government, and they would often say things like, you know, Microsoft's not, enterprise and 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 there was this constant battle that has definitely gone away did have you had much you know uh kind of engagement with the competitive side of the tech sector in federal government have you seen that and and how do you think microsoft standing now is in that space oh a hundred percent especially especially in our federal market, because I think ever since Jedi last year, the gen- the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure Contract, a lot of people are like, oh, wow, this market is prime. Let's go saturate, right? Mm, and mm, so mm, mm. I think before that, there were, there were a couple customers. I mean, I'm sorry, there were a couple competitors, not as many, but since then, you've seen a lot of them go saturate the market and say, okay, wow, wow, we need to we need to play a bigger impact here. I think a lot of competitors have underestimated federal government and they're just now mm-hmm. catching up. Because when you think about the federal government, it drives a lot of the way that we do business and the way that the rest of the world goes to market. Because any federal government agency that you want to look at, there is an example of a commercial, commercial company that is just quite similar and does the exact same thing. If you look at housing and urban development. That's a market. That's an industry. If you look at IRS, that's a market. That's an industry. If you look at Department of Education, that is a market. That's an industry. So the federal government defines a lot of the ways that we go to market as the as a as a as the United States to be quite candid. And I think that people are just now starting to realize that the main ones that I come in contact with on my side of the business are typically, you know, Zoom, of course. You have mm-hmm, Cisco, mm-hmm. you have Amazon, you have uh, you have Facebook in the mix, you have Slack, you have those guys that are kind of in it. But I think, I think, and I and some IBM, not so much. When you when you're thinking about mainframe stuff, maybe perhaps yeah, yeah, IBM, yeah. but. For the most part, those are my main competitors. And I think what differentiates Microsoft so much from those competitors is we're talking about a platform here. We're not talking about an isolated solution. We're talking about an entire platform that embraces a suite of technologies that will help transform your business. Yeah. Now, because you're you're at at the coal face when it comes to engaging the whole role of the customer success uh, lead, uh, are you finding like um, there's a hunger from the staff in these organizations to really learn the new technology or there, is there more of a contentment with the old way of doing things or is, is there a hunger and thirst for, for new, for tech, for digital inclusion, transformation um, and creating a digital culture within Infed? I think it's 50-50. You will meet those unicorns in our federal market that will look at 
this notion of artificial intelligence, digital transformation, digital inclusion. And they will look at that and say, oh my goodness, we need to be embracing these types of ideologies and we need to bring that into our culture and we need to Mm -hmm. move forward with that. We can't be behind the mark because we are primed for a lot of whether that's cyber attack, whether that's disruption, we're primed for that 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 whole industry there. So I think you'll find rare unicorns that will look at that and say, absolutely, we need to be embracing and will become advocates and champions inside of the organization to try to push that message forward. However, the struggle becomes most of your federal government organizations, and I speak as a customer and a customer mm-hmm. success lead, most of your federal government organizations are quite agnostic and quite resistant to change. That's just the reality because it's the culture. It's how we do things. And the mentality for so long, for so many years has been, why why fix what isn't broken? Why innovate when I don't need to innovate and I'm comfortable with this process because it's worked for so long. And I think some of us in our commercial business, because I have this conversation with a lot of my colleagues on, on, on city council a lot, they think, oh, Roxy, you come from the corporate industry. You don't get it. And no, that, that, that's not that's not it. There's a little bit of contention there, but that's that's not really it. What it really is, is technology is rapidly evolving. The world is rapidly evolving. Things are ever changing. So we have to learn and understand how to be inclusive for everybody's needs. Because, I mean, if you look at things like accessibility or how people like to feel included, how how people want to participate, what's within their comfortability? How do you make sure that people are feeling comfortable within the environment that you're setting up for them to participate, to be able to do their job effectively? That business is completely changing the way that we think about things. So I think it's a little bit of the federal government kind of being in a different culture and certain unicorns that are placed in these organizations are strategically driving them forward in the sense of Mm -hmm. embracing these disruptive technologies that will bring that digital inclusion. Yeah. So good. So good. So, so you mentioned being, you you know, working on the other side uh, in politics as a councilwoman, how do you find you, do you marry that, that as, because I think that you've got a, a very interesting insight into the the technology side of, of you know of government and how that can run, but then also I assume you're involved then also on the policy side more mm-hmm. um, in, in your council role. How do you how how are you working those together, and what are the kind of the advantages that you're seeing by having the skill in the Microsoft camp and and applying it to your role in Bowie? I think. I get so excited about that question because I'm just so jazzed about it. It's 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 such a unique opportunity that I think a lot of people don't have where I have this this like you said this unique lens of being in tech and then also being elected so seeing both sides of it. For me, t- I what I've learned is that technology drives every single thing that we do, no matter what it is. There is some form of technology incorporated in everything, whether that is voting, whether that is driving your car, whether that's calling Mm -hmm. or texting somebody, whether that's sending an email, whether it's doing your job or how you get to your job. Technology is involved in some way. What I have been able to do and what I've been able to see as a a councilwoman is Mm -hmm. when you govern a body of people, here in my city, I represent 68,000 people. So that's a a pretty large number. You get to see what 
what some of the issues are within the community and what problems people have with the way that they interact with, whether that's other people, other services that we have to offer, their quality of life, whether that's a lack of healthcare, whether that's a lack of infrastructure, you get to learn it all. So it's almost like your prime for gathering of insights to be able to come together and figure out what's that solution. Now with my unique experience, because a lot of my other council members alongside, I mean, except for, except for one person who is a successful businessman, most of them have an industry and a career in politics. Like that's kind of their bread and butter. That's where their experience lies from. So when you have somebody like me that looks at city services and thinks about, okay, we're talking about traffic patterns here. We have a lot of constituents that are complaining about traffic patterns. They've been upset. They feel like there's been a lot of accidents on this one particular road. You start getting into, okay, cool. Let's look at smart cities. What do we need to do to be proactive in how we analyze data to be proactive to make sure that we're keeping our roads safe? Okay, that's one. Number two, okay, let's talk about the water system. Maybe the the maybe the maybe irrigation systems are going bad in certain fields. Maybe the piping is going bad. All right, cool. Now you're getting into IoT. How can we incorporate IoT to make that process a little bit more efficient and put in some sensors to help us notify what's going wrong and what's going right? This is the unique lens that I have as somebody in technology because I'm going to easily and readily think of those things and be like, okay, yeah. City services, this is how we can use technology to advance that. Okay, cool. And just great that smart cities is becoming a thing because there are a ton of grants out there that we can go after to really set some strategic priorities. And then the last one I'll touch on, if you want to look at education, we all know in the state of Maryland, our education system may not be the best. And I walk lightly Mm -hmm. when I say that it may not be the best. However, If we had adequate STEM programs and adequate resources teaching our children about robotics, virtual reality, coding, building these video games that they spend so much time creating, that would help our kids to be able to compete nationally against all of those other children that are coming out of all these other countries that are getting that experience that we don't have. But it's because of my technology background that I can think in that way and look at it and say, okay, this is how technology mm-hmm, can play mm-hmm. an impact and take us further than you actually imagined. Yeah. So two two things come to mind when, when you talk about this. One is uh, speed and the other is is frustration. And, and, and totally. I tell you why is that, you know, one, those people that are career politicians that you would be engaged with, one, it must just blow their minds when you talk about stuff like this. Oh, my God. And... <laughs> And then, and and then, and then, even for those to implement the technology in the council, there would be a, a resistance to potentially adopt the whole new technology, especially as it's coming from a councilman in this situation. Rather than often, you know, there's a there's a research task force within that team that would present their findings back to you. So you coming from that lens, but then also. Do you find that the handbrake is constantly on with the speed that government can work at and and the speed that you want to go at? Oh, 100%. But it takes people like me to move us forward because I am very much that type of person that will bring it forward to the council and get my get the thoughts and the ideas of my colleagues and run things by them and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. How do you feel about mm-hmm, this? Mm-hmm, Let me mm-hmm. gather your input. What do you see being differently? Where do you see the risk being? Where do you see the benefit? Let's really analyze this. And then I'm also that same one that will put it on an agenda for the next week. Because yes, <laughs> most people would <laughs> like to spend weeks and months talking about this. But the reality is when you have other people's lives in your hands, other people's other people's dreams and other people's hopes and wishes in your hands, 
there is no time to wait. You have mm-hmm. to move with a sense of urgency because at the end of the day, just like a lot of just like the 400 members of city staff report up to the city council, I have 68,000 residents that are re- that I report to that are looking at me for answers. And yeah, I don't yeah. get the luxury of telling them, well, you know, the federal government, <laughs> you know how that. No. That's I don't get the luxury of saying that. What I have to do is find a way to make them feel comforted, like we hear them, and that we are going to act on their concerns and their thoughts and actually do it. So I think that's what's been refreshing about people who do come from the business arena as well as the technology arena to bring a sense of urgency on how quickly we need to probably look at some of these things and how proactive Mm -hmm. we need to be. Because to be fair, traditionally, the government's been more reactive than proactive over over the last couple of years. And that's traditionally the culture. And historically, that's worked. However, because we are in a different time, because the world is becoming so drastically different by the different individuals that are either immigrating here or people that are growing up here that are formulating their ideas that are becoming their own unique individuals, things are changing and we have to move along and change with those times. Mm, mm, mm. So true. So true. Your your role in Microsoft and, and more from an employee of Microsoft and then as a councilwoman, how have, how, you know, as an, I, I suppose I've not come across it before with somebody working for, you know, uh, arguably the largest tech company in the world and also um, working um, as a counsellor in their local council. How have the HR side of Microsoft enabled you in your role or is there there no crossover? I think what Microsoft does and what City Council does for me is enables me They both enable me to be a better person at the other role, if that makes sense. So the work that I Mm -hmm. do at Microsoft is so meaningful to me and drives me to be a better councilwoman. Because from what I see from my customers, and we're talking about the top tier of the federal government agencies here that have could potentially be up to 80,000 employees, me dealing with them and interacting with them, that's people management, that's people connection. It helps me understand how to go about navigating solutions and how to go about navigating driving change. So that also enables me and empowers me to be a better councilwoman. My work as a councilwoman enables me and empowers me to be a better Microsoft employee because it teaches me empathy. It teaches me connection. It teaches me accountability because I'm accountable to these people who I respond to, who I represent. So by me learning those three attributes here on the council side, it then enables me to be better with my customers and to be able to represent Microsoft in a particular unique way that nobody else may be able to. Yeah, so good, so good. So looking at that customer success role, what what does it look like? Well, as in, tell me a bit about your day-to-day and is there a parallel role that Microsoft <laughs> partners potentially would have? And when I say day-to-day, it might be like week-to-week, month-to-month because, <laughs> you know, depending depending on, on what you're juggling. Uh, certain days that could be putting out a lot of fires <laughs> on some days, but for the most part of it, I would say that my general month-to-month, my general week-to-week is really helping customers understand how to drive transformation within their agencies. What that Mm -hmm. actually means, because I know you're probably thinking, okay, Roxy, that sounds great. That's all pie in the sky. What does that really mean? What that really means is by 
sitting down with each agency and understanding their business, their customers so deeply that I can then come back to them and help them understand what technologies and what sort of customizations and what way we need to adopt this, what strategies we need to have to drive that change for them to deliver to their customers. So that's really what my day-to-day looks like. So most of the time they're sitting on the phone with my different stakeholders at these different federal agencies. So that can be, that's typically your, your, your business decision makers, your C-suite audience. That's typically who I'm dealing with to drive strategy here from a technology perspective of how they can deliver quicker. So oftentimes that's sitting there with that audience. Sometimes that's really assessing and me being proactive and looking at their environment and saying, okay, this is what's going on in their environment from the data that I am privy to, the data that I am allowed to see. What can I proactively assess from this to make sure that everything is going well with what they have today. So being proactive and using data to analyze that to come up with my strategy on how I enable my customers quicker. That's another part of my day-to-day. Another part of that is forming relationships with my partners. Partners as in partners that work with Microsoft so that I can mm-hmm. scale quicker. Because some of the stuff, I'm, I'm only, I mean, usually there's only one customer success manager or our business is getting a lot bigger, but there are not that many customer success managers within Microsoft. And we've got a lot of customers. So oftentimes I need to be able to use the brilliant partners that are around us and develop those relationships and tap into them to be able to scale with our customers quicker because they have a lot of innovative technologies that they've come up with and a lot of Mm -hmm. innovative strategies and mechanisms that they've come up with that a customer can really benefit from. So some of that time it's engaging our partners to see, okay, look at the scenario. This is what we're faced with. Some, some of our customers are doing acquisitions. Some of our customers are growing. Some of our customers are downsizing. Some of our customers are entering different markets. What does that look like and how can we partner and be better together to move on this quicker? So oftentimes, sometimes it's doing that. Other times it can be looking at a particular market. For me, having the experience of being a legislator, I look at the legislative market because I understand as a legislator, what kind of solutions do I need to be successful at my job as a legislator and how can technology enable me to have public hearings and promote transparency against my constituents? So because of my experience there, I look after our legislative market and sometimes it's Mm -hmm. being proactive to say, okay, this engineering, I'm sorry, that doesn't work for us. Like I know what you were thinking, but this is really where we are in the market. We're not there yet. Sometimes it is, okay, engineering, you hit the nail on that one. That's great. How do we move quicker on that? So sometimes it's that being that voice of the customer, that user voice to engineering to make sure that they truly understand what the product needs to encompass as well. Mm -hmm. So can you give us some examples of the type of projects that like, or the problems that have been identified without naming um, uh, specific um, departments, et cetera, but can you give me examples of the type of things that you've gone in, the successful outcomes that you've driven, the adoption of technology uh, within those agencies? I think the easiest one to say without going into too much information, the easiest example is honestly COVID. Honestly, Mm -hmm. COVID. A lot of companies and a lot of businesses are so successful right now because of the rate at which they were able to adopt these technologies and the rate that we were able to partner with them. There are a lot of, and I'm going to speak as a customer right now, there Mm -hmm. are a lot of ways right now that I, particularly in the city of Bowie, am leveraging Microsoft Teams to be able to have my public hearings. 
though that those are use cases and prime examples of how Microsoft and people like customer success managers has helped customers be successful during this time. For me as a legislator to be able to make sure that I'm still complying with certain laws, like open open meetings laws in the state of Maryland here in the United mm-hmm. States, and still reach my constituents to promote transparency, because technically I can't have a public hearing without giving public notice to the public and allowing them participation. So the fact that those types of scenarios are coming up and these technologies like Microsoft team or whatever else are quickly pivoting to accommodate, accommodate those needs that in itself is success. Yeah. So, so you, you've mentioned teams a few times. Are you finding that this is really the spearhead now um, uh, in, in what you're seeing in that, you know, teams goes in and then of course in its wake, it brings in, you know, reporting. So power BI comes into play and then yes. we see it, you know, br- brings in, you know, all different, whether, whether it's, um, uh, stream, whether it's I- I- any of these other technologies at Microsoft, they had for some time, but now it's opening up an awareness of what's possible Whether you know, power automate would be another one. A lot right. of people wanting to au- automate things. Are you finding Teams as really that lead in into these accounts that are opening up other opportunities? I think you are actually spot on with the way that Microsoft so so seamlessly thought of Teams and the development and, and what's come of it. Microsoft Teams is opening the door for so many other technologies that are in our Microsoft stack. Because a lot of these things, like if you think about live events, for example, Microsoft Teams has the ability to have live events. Some of that stuff is running on Azure in the back end. You have some cognitive services that are that's mm-hmm, involved mm-hmm. in that. You have some computing power that's involved in that. You have so many other things that are running in the back end to make that production possible and seamless to the end user that you're tapping into other products that you don't even know about. Or if you look about on the if you look at it on the forefront with Microsoft Teams as just a platform, you have to your point, you have Stream, you have Power Automate, you have Power Platform, you have third party apps, you have all these things like Office 365, you have the the uh, Office Pro Plus, Exchange, SharePoint, OneDrive, all these things that are tied in to really make this end user feel comfortable and feel like they are enabled to do their job in the way that they want to be able to do it. So if that means that they want to stay in Teams and they want to be able to tap into OneDrive, edit their files from there, they can do that. They have the option to customize their work and and consume their content and 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 do whatever it, it is that they are trying to do with their job right there in that one platform. And the other part that I love about this, I really love about this, I have to touch on, is the inclusiveness. Because a lot of people think about inclusion as just gender and skin color, and mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. what it is. Inclusion for developers to be able to develop products that sit on a platform that are inclusive of all of our customers to be able to take advantage of. So our platform is so inclusive that it is a place where developers can develop their stack on top of our platform to be able to for, for customers to utilize both Microsoft and other products that are made by other developers. That's inclusion. Mm-hmm. I think the concept of inclusion has massively been redefined this year. Um, 100%. It, it, in so in so many areas, and one I was talking to Alyssa Taylor about was was with all the digital conferences that Microsoft is doing. There's a whole group of people that could have never afforded. 
to attend in-person conference mm-hmm. that Microsoft had put on in the past. And now with the technology, it doesn't matter where you are on the globe, you can now attend these events. You know, the, the Microsoft BizApp Summit, I think last year I was at it in Atlanta and there was, I think there might have been 6,000 people. This year it was over 50,000 people because it was digital. You right. know? Now, looking at your council role, is that also being reflected there that people in the community can now join these public meetings where distance is no longer the problem or looking after the children is no longer a problem because they can log in and do it from their own homes, you know, see you, you participate or, or at least uh, hear the, the council meetings, et cetera, going online. Are you, are you seeing that inclusion going out to those levels? Oh, 100%. I, I mean, right before this podcast, I just did a town hall with the community uh, I have I have three interns on the city side. So in my council job, I have three interns. One's in college, two are in high school, and one mm-hmm. of them had an event this evening called Be- Behind the Badge, because police brutality is a big topic across the United States right now. So one of them put on an event called Behind the Badge, and and that that event was broadcasted live through Facebook, of course, and all social media platforms. And the simple fact that one we had that that event as a meeting where the state's attorney was a part of it, the mayor, we had a couple mm-hmm. of police chiefs from all over the county that were a part of that. But the ability that we had to broadcast that out through social media for those who were comfortable joining to let their voices be heard and for those who just wanted to consume the content, they were able to mm-hmm. just watch it on social media. That's the difference in participation from events that I'm seeing this year. I think last year before COVID hit, and I don't want anyone to think that, uh, you know, I'm not sensitive towards COVID because COVID has been an absolutely horrible thing that has happened to a lot of us where some of us have lost loved ones because of COVID and things that have happened with COVID and our situations have changed dramatically. However, the upside and the opportunity that has come along with COVID is that it has redefined a lot of industries and a large part of the way that the world will operate going forward for decades to come. Because to your exact question, a lot of these events, people are now able to participate. Last year, if you invited me to an event, what I did was probably look at my calendar five times and I was like, ah, maybe I'll go. I don't know. If I'm tired, I'm not. You know, it depends. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. now people have made things so inclusive in a way where I can just easily hop on from my phone or hop on online and just really just consume the content and participate to my level of comfortability and still feel like I'm involved in being a part of the conversation and the part of the journey. And I think that is what what has been redefined for us this year and going forward. I think we're going to see a lot more virtual conferences. I don't mm-hmm. think that, I think these big productions that happen in person, some, some of that is going to start to wind down a a little bit until we get to a place of familiarity and a place of comfortability where people feel like being in that type of setting again. But I do think that there's a unique opportunity that has come out of this that more people will be able to participate and we will be more inclusive towards different types of voices that we did not hear in the past that will now be risen and be born from this occasion that will now be able to participate. Yeah. So good, so good. As as we begin to wrap up, I, I would like to to look back again at Africa and and really, what type of encouragement would you have for uh, the people there that you know listen to the show and particularly have decided to um, invest in their careers in Microsoft? What type of encouragement would you have for them and advice? I Africa is so near and dear to my heart. I love every aspect of it because it it 
it that the culture in Africa is one that is so rich and so unique that it's hard to understand unless you're from Africa and unless you've grown up there, unless you've met the people from there, the vibrancy, the hope, the kindness, the joy, the gratefulness in their mm. hearts, the the perseverance, the entrepreneurial spirit. There's a talk that I tell people in Microsoft all the time. People sometimes don't understand my drive and why I'm so ambitious and why I care so much. And it's until you go to Africa and you see the hustle, you see the spirit, the culture and the drive of the people in Africa then you will start to begin to understand me and why it is that I care so much and that I advocate so much or that I am so driven. And so my advice to everybody that's listening that is in Africa that's decided to invest their careers in Africa or whatever that looks like is don't give up and continue going because mm -hmm. Afri what Africa has done for so many people is set set the landmark of 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 what is to come, what opportunities there are out there. You see so many of these trillion dollar companies looking at Africa as a prime market that they now want to come and invest in because they are recognizing the talent and just the opportunity and the amazingness of what lies there in Africa that's been there all along. So for people yeah. that are there, for people that have chosen to invest there, don't give up. Keep going and make sure that your voices are as loud as ever because people are paying attention and they're listening right now. And now is the time for you to, to capitalize on that moment and make sure that you just keep going and you don't lose hope. Because I know that sometimes it can seem really hard. I know that sometimes when that's what you've seen for so many years, you start to wonder, will I ever make it to wherever it is that I'm trying to go? But you got to just remain hopeful because you never know that same young boy or that same young woman or that older woman or older older man that's in Africa that has an idea that has a frustration like myself who experienced a simple negative connectivity with my mother when I was trying to talk to her when I was in the U.S. and she was in Africa might be the next Roxy might be the next council person who who yeah. took a problem that they experienced when they were growing up in Africa and came to the U.S. and turned it around and changed it and paved the way for so many to come. So I just want you to never lose hope and just keep going and reach out to people like me at Roxy and Deborah Madu and anything that we can do to help, we absolutely will. I love it. I love it. Okay, some quick fire questions to wrap things up with. Are you ready? <laughs> I think I don't Here you have go. a choice. <laughs> That's it. That's it. What's your most powerful and vivid memory growing up? Oh my gosh, I got to tell this story really quick. Most powerful mm -hmm. memory, I was in the village, right? I was in the village one time and this is my grandmother was still alive. I was younger. I was like probably like uh, 12 or 13. So I was in the village. We had like chickens and goats walking around freely in the mm -hmm, village mm -hmm. and my my mother was sleeping. So I brought this chicken from outside in the like the quarters <laughs> and I put mm -hmm. I brought it in and put it in her bed when she was sleeping because I, I was like quite annoyed that she was sleeping because I wanted to go get food. So I like, mm -hmm. put it in her bed and it starts flapping its wing and my mom starts screaming hysterically. It was hilarious. <laughs> so that is my most vivid memory as a child because it's hilarious. And a great example. Um, have you ever been told you look like someone famous? You know, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I don't think so. I've got okay, a new okay. look. I've changed up my look a couple times. <laughs> I've got a new look these days. I love it. I love it. Would you rather be too hot or too cold? Uh, I'd rather be too hot. I'd rather be wow. too okay. hot because yeah. Yeah. because then <laughs> I, I don't know why this is so <laughs> weird, but I'd rather be too hot, too hot to handle. I'm okay with that. Carving my own lane, <laughs> bringing the heat. I love it. I love it. <laughs> if you could visit any place in the world today, where would it be? 
It would probably right now, if I could go back to one place, to be honest with you, it would be Nairobi. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love Nairobi so much. My heart is there. Like, I love Nairobi. I love the people. I love everything that I experience. I love the kids. They are so, 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 so smart. I mean, smarter than me. It's great. I love it. So if I could go back to one place, it would be Nairobi. If I could visit one place, it would be Tuscany because I'm a huge wino. I love red <laughs> wine. So I would just want to, you know, learn a little bit more about the grapes and stuff. So it would be Tuscany. Learn and drink a bit more. Just yeah. learn and drink a bit more. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, a beautiful place. Um, what are some of your personal rules that you never that you would never break? Some of my personal rules are really to stay true to my personal mission and stay true to who I am as a person. I think when you are, when you subject your life and your experience to being in the limelight where you are so vulnerable, you are so open about your story and some of your experiences and the things that you faced growing up and some of the things that you've even faced as an adult in corporate America, I think that you subject yourself to another level of scrutiny where Mm -hmm. people are always offering their opinion, people are always offering their 10 cents, their comments, their thoughts, suggestions, and things of that sort. And sometimes that can have a mental subconscious effect on the human. And so one of my personal things and philosophies is that I must and will always stay true to myself, no matter who that is. And what that really means is to be authentic 100% and use my gifts, my unique gifts that have been cultivated for me, Roxy and Debo Madu, to continue to shine in certain places and continue to wholeheartedly advocate for other people and let anybody know that anything is possible. And if you can dream it, you can achieve it. I love it. I love it. Final question. What's the best gift you've ever received? I'm still waiting on that one, to be honest with you. Um, (laughs) Word to the audience out there. I am still (laughs) waiting on the best gift that I've ever received. But I would have to say there is one gift that I received um, last year that means a lot to me that I actually still walk around with. And this guy's going to get, he's probably going to get tired of me shouting him out in podcasts. (laughs) Diego Rejetman. He is the GM of developer relations at Microsoft. And last year, Diego gave me, I I spoke on one of his podcasts and he gave me this kind of like smile, this porcelain smiley face that he painted that he only gave to a few people in his life. And if you know Mm. Diego's story or if you've seen Diego and some of the things that he's transcended through, it's remarkable. And so Diego gave me this porcelain painted smiley face. And basically what he said is this is what empowers me. And I'm lending my energy and my charisma and my, my gifts to you. And whenever you will have this smiley face, I want you to be reminded of my story and me. And to be honest, till this day, I still carry that smiley face in my purse. So I have this glass smiley face that's like yellow with like a mm-hmm. red tongue and black smile, like a black mouth with the black, the eyes and everything. I carry it. And every time I switch my purse, I put that smiley face in my purse because wow. it allows me to carry other people along on my journey and continue to invite more people in and learn how to be a better advocate for others. I love it. I love it. Is anyone you'd recommend as a guest for uh, the show and future for Microsoft? Oh, I have a huge list for you. Absolutely oh, huge list for you. So I can give it to you. I, I would start shouting out names and everyone would be like, Roxy, really? 
<laughs> I've got a huge list for you. I there's one person that I do recommend besides Diego, of course, because I, mm-hmm. I absolutely adore Diego. Um, there are a couple of people I recommend at different phases in their life that focus on different things. One I want to recommend Jason Grafey, who is um, mm-hmm. our CEO, chief of staff. He's a remarkable person, has an amazing story, and has I've learned a ton from him. I've learned so much mm-hmm. from him, and he's just a great human being. So I want to recommend him. I also want to recommend. Lonnie Phillips, who is our vice president of one commercial partner here in our U.S. business. Mm -hmm. She is such a remarkable person and she's just seen incredible depths in her life. And I've learned so much from her presence that I think she's given me some of her gifts that I'm super, super excited about. And then another person that I want to recommend is uh, a young man by the name of Alex Kessel, who just started a podcast in our company and just some of his experience that he's had with customers being customer facing and managing engineering resources and how do you actually get to know a customer and deeply connect with a customer to be able to align the right resources or really help them in a, in a different and unique ways. So those are some of the my, the names that come to mind off the top of my head right now. I love it. Roxy, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure being with you and I'm so happy and so excited and thrilled for you and your future and what you're doing because this is how we bring awareness to communities This is how we bring awareness to business impact and business needs. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And it's, it's, I'm so honored to have been here. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Business Applications MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 guy. If there's a Microsoft guest you'd like to see on the show, please message me on LinkedIn and we'll see what we can do. Please like and subscribe. If you want to leave a review, go to nz365guy.com forward slash review. There is a list of all the current reviews people have left regarding the podcast, and I'd love you to choose one of the review platforms that are available there to leave your review. Always love hearing from the listeners. Thanks for joining me today. See you next time.